Welcome, folks, to another episode of Desperately Seeking Entertainment. I am Chris Peterson, one half of your hosting team this week. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? What's up, Chris? What's up, people around the internet? Are you ready? Are you ready to digest some entertainment news and trivia and all the stuff that comes to you through the TV set in your houses? I hope you are, because I am ready to report the news. I'm ready to report the news, Chris. You're ready to go. Let's, yeah. Like, well, let's say no more. Say no more. Let's hop into it. Folks, if this is the first time you listen to this podcast, what Ben and I like to do is basically bring to the table things that we've consumed, watched, listened to, read, whatever it may be over the past couple of weeks. Bring it to this podcast. Talk about it live. Uh, but I have no idea what Ben has on his mind. He's got no idea what's on my agenda either. So everything you're hearing is genuine and spontaneous. So, Ben, kick it off, my man. What do you got this week? All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steer you a little differently, Chris. I think you you think there might be like a uh, a big option that I'm going to go for, but no, nay. Something happened yesterday that we need to report on. Um, we need to remember Michael K. Williams. Yes, uh, Michael K. Williams, great actor, uh, who uh, unfortunately succumbed to overdose addiction, uh, and it's a big bummer. He was found in his apartment, and it was something that he struggled for years before he got sober and became an actor and became one of the most iconic actors in at least TV history. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, his mm -hmm. portrayal of Omar, Omar Little, I believe is the last name, yep. on The Wire is one of the most iconic characters in TV history. I mean, if without, and that's not me, you know, I've been accused of saying this is the greatest thing ever and all this stuff, but many people agree that that character is one of the best written characters ever. Um, just well-rounded real feeling characters ever and we lost a great actor they don't make him like him anymore you know mm -hmm. what i mean like mm -hmm. ever since you know uh, hbo has brought us a lot of things with the golden age of television you know think of oz think of sopranos think of the wire uh one of the great things that the sopranos and um the makers of that show did was the open casting in jersey Right. Where we got a lot of character actors that were just <laughs> real characters off the streets of Jersey and stuff. Yeah. And following suit, The Wire cast some people that were unique looking. And, you know, Michael K. Williams definitely had a look. He definitely had a feel. He definitely had a presence on screen that, you know, we talk about the it factor here. And whenever he was on the screen, no matter if it was in the new um, Lovecraft show, if it was in The yeah. Wire, any kind of thing that you would see him in, you would just, you couldn't take your eyes off him. He would just steal the screen even, and he gave such subtle performances. I think that's what he'll be remembered for is his subtlety of acting. You know, someone like Omar Little, you could play so big. You could play just like the biggest, craziest character on the script of the wrong actor could just ruin that show and ruin that character. And instead he played it so subtle with so many subtle nuances. It was just amazing. Chris, what are your thoughts on Michael oh, K. Williams? Man, well, he was personally one of my favorites. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, he he's one of those actors that he could either say a lot on screen or mm -hmm. say nothing at all, and you'd get the same power, you get the same nuance. Like, he could act with his eyes better than anybody. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I said this to a friend of mine the other night when I heard the the news, and I said, you know, he's in that rare class of actors where if if he's in something, 
it's automatically elevated. Automatically. Yeah, totally. Totally. Like just, just, and there were times where I'd, he'd pop up in things that I had no idea he was going to be in. And I was like, oh shit, it's Michael <laughs> K. Williams. Right. And sure enough, like he just delivers. Like I had no idea he was going to be on like multi episodes of community during that one season. And he's freaking brilliant yeah. on that show. Um, I had no yeah. idea he was going to be on boardwalk empire and he's freaking oh. brilliant in that. Show. Uh, speaking so of like, another chalky white, another chalky iconic white, character. Another iconic character. character. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, uh, yeah, great. Keep going. It's And, and you know, there was a great interview. Um, and if you go on YouTube, you can find it. Um, his co-star from the wire, Wendell Pierce, who played bunk, um, talks about it mm-hmm. and they're on the red, they're on the red carpet together. And he says like, you know, cause, cause Omar was like his first breakout role. Like that was his first role. Of course. And, and everybody course. was like, yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a fluke. Like, you know, he's just that, you know, it's a fluke that he's that good. Cause the writing was good. And Wendell Pierce says, it, you, no, like day in and day out. When you watch this guy work, he's on a completely different level. Um, everything that, that he was ever in every time he spoke a word of dialogue, it was important. You listen to it. Uh, he he sucked you in. Um, my God, and it it felt like, even though the wires what like almost you know we're we're approaching almost twenty, 20 years, years, yeah, right. Like it still felt like he was just on the precipice. Like he was just about, like he had just gotten started and he had already done all this amazing work. But man, it was like oh my God, he's he's maybe a couple years away from an Oscar nomination. He's like one good role oh, total. away from all of that and. Uh, it just it it kills me. It, it, and people say that they were gutted and and hurt. I mean, it just was like, oh, like one of your yeah. favorites. And um, but yeah, iconic, iconic character actor, unbelievable. Totally. And you know, that's something that you and I definitely bond over on this pod are character actors. You know what I mean? It's something that is you can't take your eyes off of them. Someone like a Steve Buscemi, speaking of Boardwalk Empire, that you just he's on the screen and no matter what he's doing, he's elevating a performance like. For example, the show uh, Lovecraft Country, which I had problems with it. You know what I mean? Like, it kind of lost me here and there. But he elevated that show to a level that had the show had no business being up there Mm -hmm. (laughs) and being that good. And, like, it brought a certain kind of weight to that show where you're like, oh, this is an important show. And I just feel like anytime he showed up on the screen, you got that feeling. You got that feeling like. Okay, I should be paying attention to this. Something is going on with the show. If he's choosing to be in this show, if he's re- read the script and he chose to be in the show, something important's happening. This is a a uh, they're speaking about society. They're speaking about something something deeper. And I don't know what that is, but it, I got a sense that he just thought very deeply and he picked scripts, even though he was a working actor, like you were saying. I mean, he was getting more work than he's ever has, even though the wire is like getting close to 20 years old he was just getting more and more work he was working and i don't know i i feel like we really lost someone really big and we lost another i mean he was what 54 or something we lost another we lost another 20 years of great movies and great tv we we definitely did i mean his his imdb is preposterous like the fact that he's you know he just he picked you said it like he just knew how to pick the right projects, the right roles. Um, and when he did stuff, you felt like there was, you know, a purpose behind it. And then like, if he was doing something just for fun, you know, he could, you, you blatantly saw that he was doing it for fun as well. So it was yeah. like, you know, 
like when he shows up in the Ghostbusters remake movie with the all female <laughs> right. one, you know, he's just doing that because it's Ghostbusters. He doesn't need to be in that movie, but he's doing it. And um, I just I just respect the heck out of him. And and everybody like you know, sadly when this happens and everybody comes out and starts talking about you know working with him, so no one has ever said a bad word about this guy. No, uh, you know no. he was apparently a, a, just an incredible person to work with, and. Um, you know, that's why it's funny. Like he he has a cameo in uh, Edward Norton's Incredible Hulk movie, and the yeah, only reason why <laughs> you saw that, the only reason why that cameo exists is because Norton was such a fan of The Wire that he's like, I got to get this guy in the movie, and they just wrote this like two second cameo, but it's it's him. And oh. um, I'm looking just, at it, and and when they see us, remember he played the dad yeah. in that. Oh my god, that was he was. If not, I mean, the kids are great in that movie, but he was one of the best parts of that movie and just his reaction and that character that he played was so conflicted and such a weird choice. And you need to pick an actor like him to carry that role. You know what I mean? And yeah, no, you're 100% right. I've seen The Wire through and through from start to finish, I think three times. I think I've watched it straight through three times. I've seen it twice. Yeah. Every single time I watch it, I get something new out of his performances, Omar. And, totally. and, and folks, I, you know, Ben and I, we both said it. Like we, we say things are the best of all time. It, if, if I was to stack up the greatest, like, you know, episodic dramas of all time, The Wire is absolutely in the top five. It might be in the top two. It's right, right, it's right there with the West Wing in my mind. And um, my God, it's, and it, 90% of that reason is because of, of Omar. So, um, and you know, oh. and when you were talking about him just coming into his own and I feel like things were being, especially in the HBO world, things were written, written for him, just like, uh, the show, the night of, remember that Chris? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he played the guy in prison that Riz Ahmed, um, I forget his character's name. What's his character's name? Freddie Knight. His character's name is Freddie Knight. Great. He always has great names. Freddie Knight. Great character. Always has good names. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just, Yet again, a great character that you need someone that can play, like you said, both funny and serious and dramatic, not too overly dramatic, but real. And in that movie, you got a sense, okay, you know, Riz Ahmed's in prison, this guy, Freddie Knight, he's going to take him under his wing and kill him or do something awful. But then he gets out and he becomes a friend of it. It was such a weird performance. And you're like, I can't believe they did that with this performance. And, And, you know, that's... I feel like people were writing roles for him. They were like, we need a Michael K. Williams in this role. Let's see if we can get him. Like, I yep. feel like that's yep. what was going on for the past like 10 years or something. It's like, we have no one else on this earth that can play this except for him. Let's call him and see if he'll do it. And he was willing to do anything. Like you said, comedy, drama, just anything. And just elevated material to a level that was unnecessary so chris i just had to say something i wanted to start the pot off with that because that is a big blow we talk about all the stuff and i think even since this podcast has been going on we've been talking about a lot of things that he has been in since we've been doing this thing so it just r.i.p michael k williams just yeah absolutely well i'm so glad you brought that up um all right well let's keep going um so ben uh since we last chatted uh broadway shows are starting to reopen Ooh. Uh, yeah. So, it, you know, uh, back uh, about a month ago, uh, a brilliant play called Passover opened on Broadway, which uh, is getting rave reviews, which I have to mention. Um, and uh, just last week, 
uh, musicals are now starting to come back. We had two musicals reopen. One is called Hades Town. Uh, oh, yeah. The other is called Waitress, which is based on the Carrie Russell film from about a decade ago. And um, what was interesting was, you know, Broadway is seems to be doing it right. Um, they are saying, look, when you uh, walk into these theaters, you have to have proof of vaccination. We're not, they're not even taking like negative tests. They're just saying you have to be vaccinated and you have to wear a mask at all times in the theater. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, there's some great vi- opening night videos of, of, you know, people filming, you know, the you know, cast walking out. Everybody's very emotional. Went out, but it was great to see everybody taking the, um, you know, initiative and, and responsibility and saying, look, if we're going to gather in a theater, which is a, and, you know, folks, if you've never been in a Broadway theater, these are not much bigger they're, than your high school auditorium. They're tight. Yeah, they're, they're tight. tight. <laughs> and, the, they're, and the seating is tight, like Fenway Park tight. You right. know what they're, I mean? Like they haven't worked on, on them since like 1915 or something like that. Exactly. <laughs> and they're, they're trying to get every single bit of space for more ticket money as they possibly can in these places. Right. So you are on top. If you oh, are above standing six room feet, in the standing room in the balcony and chill. Yeah. For, so Ben, <laughs> for someone like you, I can't even imagine the torture of sitting in a Broadway theater. Oh, I'm yeah. Especially during a musical. I mean, what? Wow. I mean, we're on a theater website i'm sorry gotta sorry straight play actor here <laughs> gotta, watch gotta, out gotta, gotta fix the brand now um listen <laughs> my, my veins run, run thick with tennessee williams all right it just comes out every once in a while <laughs> um but it's it's great to see you know theaters back and it's starting to come back and you know as the months go by more and more shows are going to come back and so far knock on wood fingers crossed all that jazz um there hasn't been any issues yet with COVID because again, all the actors are vaccinated, uh, wearing masks, doing all the precautions, um, all that stuff. And what's interesting is, is you're starting to see all over the country what happens when theaters aren't being as aggressive. So Ben, are you familiar with the Muni Theater in St. Louis by any chance? No. No, so this is a gigantic kind of amphitheater, like a Hollywood Bowl style is outdoor it outdoors. Yep, outdoors, it's an outdoor like theater. Long, okay, yep. Exactly, it seats about maybe twelve hundred people. It's absolutely gigantic. Well, they had to they had to basically cancel the last couple of performances of their uh, their production of Chicago because of positive COVID tests amongst the cast, even it's though the right, cast. What the even hell? Though, even though apparently, like all of them were vaccinated and, and doing the precautions. You still had a little bit of an outbreak. Uh, same thing with the main state theater up in Maine, which is a huge like summer stock um, destination for a lot of aspiring performers. Performers, They had to shut down their season and they might not come back at all. I mean, this is one of those, you know, well-known summer stock theaters in the country. Right. Uh, they might, they might be done for good because they had to close down this season because of positive test and and the problem was from everybody from what i've heard is you know they weren't as stringent on precautions as as broadway is is doing so yeah the proof is in the pudding so far folks you know yeah totally you know chris chris I've, we've been to a couple of big events we went and saw uh dropkick murphy's at the new york state fair for free mm. um and people were wearing masks inside people were spread out outside um i thought everyone was really responsible um, even the lead singer made fun of the Delta variant. <laughs> We're still yep. going to rock hard. <laughs> even this Delta variant, but everyone was like spaced out. Like we, we found a spot over to the side, me, Deacon and Katie, you know, it was Deacon's first rock concert. It was kind of awesome to take him to the drop kicks. That was great. Um, but you know, everyone had masks when you walked inside, 
and then we have been going to the movies up here. Everyone's spaced out. Everyone's kind of, you know, and it gives me like kind of pride to be like a New Yorker and from the Northeast. I don't know about you. You know, you hear about these places like the Dallas Cowboys, like all 25 members of the Dallas Cowboys catch, catching COVID in one night. You're like, what are they, what are you, what are you guys doing? Like having an orgy or something? What the hell's going on? <laughs> right. And it's just when people aren't stringent, that's when people like, you know, things. And so, and also Chris, I had to mention this. So Chris, have I mentioned that podcast, the 500? No, I don't think oh. so. Oh. Oh, Chris. Okay. Well, just, well, if I haven't talked about it yet, the 500 is this guy, Josh Adam Myers. He's on Spotify and he's going through the Rolling Stones top 500 albums of all time. And each episode has different guests, usually comedians, because he's a comedian as well. And he's a New York City comedian. And he said the same thing you just did. You know, he, you know, he performs at the Comedy Cellar and Caroline's and all these places. And, you know, everyone's vaccinated. Everyone's wearing masks. And he just, he's like, I feel proud to be a New Yorker. You know, it's kind of like this New York strong. Everyone like just doesn't, and maybe it's because New York lived through like the first wave of the pandemic and everything was locked down and just no one wants to see that back. And maybe that's the mentality. You know what I mean, Chris? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I, I don't understand a lot of people doubting the validity or the seriousness of, of how bad this truly is. But, um, you know, when people are taking care of each other, when they're doing the right thing and all this stuff, you're seeing less uh, positive tests, you're seeing less outbreaks and, and yeah. you know, people yeah. are dying. Um, so I don't, I don't get the whole, you know, stupidity of people and, and, and whatnot, but, uh, you know, be smart or, or we're not going to get any of this back, you know, anytime soon. So um, uh, exactly, yeah. you know, and like, and at work, like all my people and all the staff, we all got vaccinated and. I don't know. It's not that hard, people. You know what I mean? And now, and I I just don't understand. Like, Chris, we are both fathers. About Their kids are about almost the same exact age and stuff. And, you know, when Papa Bear comes out, I get overly protective. You know what I mean? And it's just, I don't understand why other people don't have that protective feeling, especially when they have kids. Like, when they're like, all right, these kids can't get the vaccine yet. So we got to really, you know, lock ourselves down. I don't care if... Like if I have to lock down again, if my if it's between me locking down and my kid not being able to go to school, I'm locking down like 100 percent. I don't care. Like he needs to go to school. You know what I mean? Like I'll work remote or whatever the hell has to happen in order for all the kids to go to school. Like I'm willing to sacrifice that. I just don't understand why people don't see it. I don't know. It, it's just so crazy. And you just see the numbers getting worse and worse down south and people fledging are fledging the numbers. And it's just getting crazy down there. So I don't know, Chris. I just. People need to be safe. Like up here in like central New York, I know we have like five times less people than you guys have in Connecticut, but we have places like, you know, the um, St. Joe's Amphitheater, which is like, you know, it's kind of like the Meadows in Connecticut, Chris, mm-hmm, where you have like mm-hmm. a big lawn. We're going to see Cheryl Crow and Chris Stapleton. So we're Ooh, wicked excited okay. about that. Nice. Um, but we got lawn seats, you know what I mean? So we're going to be spaced out outside, you know, with our crew just hanging out. And so will everyone. And it's just stuff like that should be. Like you said, there shouldn't be any problem. There should be like z- almost zero percent risk of catching anything because you're standing outside, you know, and you're wearing masks when you wear it, walk in. You have to present your card or whatever. It's like, I don't get it, Chris. Don't get yeah. it, dude. Yeah, yep. me neither. Me neither. But anyway, stay safe, folks, uh, and be smart. That's all I got to say. All I got to say. Um, yeah, go right. see Broadway shows. That's freaking awesome. And go see dude. Broadway shows. Go see Broadway shows. And because, you know, like I said, they're. We're gonna need we're gonna need all the help we can get getting this industry back uh, 
back up and running. So there you go. There you go. All right, my friend, what else you got? All right, Chris, we put it off long enough. All right, Chris, you ready? Timmy. Time to get to the meat and potatoes. The meat and potatoes, as my forefather said, <laughs> of the podcast. You ready? <laughs> go for it. Start. It's time to talk about Shang-Chi. Oh, boy. Time to talk about it, baby. Did you go see it? No. No? Not yet. I'm going to see it this weekend. All right. Well, let's just talk about Shang-Chi in general. No spoilers. No Throw spoilers. up the no spoiler. Um, great flick. You get my nice. thumbs up. Deacon, Deacon Frawley said, best Marvel movie yet. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what? I was like, better than Winter Soldier? He's like, yep. I'm like, God damn. Wow. God damn. Yeah, that was like high. I was like, wow. I was like, why is that? He was like, cool effects, lots of kung fu. What what else do you want? I'm like, true that. Okay. <laughs> you can't I, argue with that seven-year-old logic. I mean, you know what? If he's entertained, <laughs> that's, then I know I'm going to be entertained. There you go. I trust he was judgment. entertained, and this movie had subtitles. A lot of the characters are speaking, I think, Mandarin during the mm -hmm. whole movie. And yep. so um, I had to read the subtitles to him, and he still loved the movie. Wow. I had to read it out loud while we're watching the movie, and he still loved it. Um, now, there's a couple things, Chris. This made, I think, 85 to $90 million domestically was, in one week. Yeah, it was up there. It is up there. Um, let me tell you this, Chris, and and this is what I want to talk about with you, and I wanted to hear your take. So almost all Asian cast, right? There might be like three white people in the whole movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just totally, just that's it. And like As all it Asian be. cast. As it always yes, should right. Be. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, this podcast right now, we're 50% right here. 50%, so, uh, we're, we're getting that. So, right. And so I thought it was... Great. So they had, you know, Michelle Yeoh's in the movie, Tommy Leong's in the movie. I went back the next day when the kid was sleeping, Katie was sleeping. I, wa I watched Hero. I had to watch Hero again. I haven't seen Tommy Leong in so long. Oh, God, I forgot who's in that. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, he plays the uh, guy doing the calligraphy and stuff. I right. freaking love that movie. Love him. You know, Chunking Express, all these old school, like, you know, Golden Harvest movies that I was introduced to him in, like, the late 90s. I freaking love it. Anyway, like, the acting is great. The characters are great, Chris. I thought the characters were phenomenal. So Tommy Leong's uh, character, hold on, I want to get it right, is, his name is, oh, uh, Zhu Wenwu, and okay. he is Shang-Chi's. So in the movie, he plays this character, and I'm not going to call him a villain. Because he's kind of a con conflicted character. And they were saying if he played this like a traditional kind of bad guy, it almost be it would almost be racist in itself. Okay. Like a typical, like, oh, he's the Asian bad guy. It, it'd be like, it'd be like, you know, Nicolas Cage as, <laughs> you know, like, like this, like evil, like Mandarin character or something like that. Instead, he portrays and they got Tommy Leong, I believe, because just like Michael K. Williams, like we were saying before, he needed to play a conflicted character that wasn't very sure of himself. Mm -hmm. It was a really interesting portrayal of this character. I can't wait to hear your take on it. Chris, let me hear just your your words. Even before you see the movie, what are your thoughts on this movie that has great Asian and Asian-American representation in it with a, almost a full Asian cast making this much money like domestically? What do you think about that? I mean, it's just, just a further proof that 
you know, for any people that doubt that this can be done with an all Asian cast or an all Latino cast or an all black cast, I mean, it's, it's, it keeps proving those folks wrong because when you have good writing, a good story, good director, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what race or background or gender these characters are because, you know, you've got, you've just, you're going to have all the, you know, the right, you're setting them up for success. And, you know, we've seen this time and time again with other projects that, um, you know, whether it's something like In the Heights or Black Panther or Crazy Rich Asians, where it's like, you know, if you just have the right people in places uh, creatively, then uh, you're going to be fine. And so I was thrilled um, to see to see it get the response, not only um, from a box office standpoint, just the reviews are through the charts on this thing. So, um, like, you know, this is one of the best like from a Rotten Tomatoes standpoint, this is one of the best reviewed Marvel movies ever made. So um, that's something that's, you know, really exciting to see. And uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really amped. I, I love the fact that it's kind of getting included into this MCU and I hear there's some nice surprises in it. So I can't wait for that. And I'm also glad for the guy who plays, you know, Shang-Chi, Simu Liu, um, uh, ben, yeah. I mean, he, he's yeah. had what, a, what an incredible like career he's had so far. Uh, ben, have you have you checked out Kim's Convenience on Netflix yet? Actually, I watched it over Katie's shoulders. She was watching it, like you know, playing on her. That show is freaking hilarious. It's freaking awesome! I love it. He's yeah. great on it. Uh, the whole cast is great. And yeah. then like his first job, like one of his first professional jobs, he used to be a stock photo model. So like when you would look up like. Asian man working at desk, like he'd be the Asian guy working at the desk. Like <laughs> it's freaking hilarious. So I used people to use are like, that stock photos. I used to use those. My old job. So people are now going back and finding him in like stock photos. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> but uh, that'd be awesome if they were like a meme kind of like campaign where it just said undercover like Shang Chi, and he's just like 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 <laughs> cooking or something behind like a desk or something. I don't know. That's amazing. That would be amazing. Um, so yeah, I'm just but yeah, I'm just Chris. I wanted now. to talk about him. He he is yeah, Simu Lu is his name, and he is amazing, dude. Like he wow. is an action movie star. Just right here, we have a new mm-hmm. movie star. We have crowned a new movie star. He's here. It's he's. I, I could see him doing the like Chris Evans route <laughs> of like doing some Netflix kind of okay action flicks coming up <laughs> you know right, what i mean where he, right. he's saving people in africa we don't know why he's there kind of thing. it's fine it's fine you know what i mean he's in the he's in he's he's you know saving people it's fine so i could see him just going that route i could see him going dramatic he's funny in this movie he's serious he's ripped to shit he's kicking ass i don't know he kind of does it all you got to get the sense that this actor does it all and then the actress her name is aquafina playing oh, Katie in the movie. Yep. Yeah. She is hilarious in this movie. Without her, l- let me just tell you, uh, without her, this movie would be very dull and over serious. Let me just put mm-hmm. it like that. She breathes life into this movie. She gives this movie CPR, like just perfectly. Like it's, and it's totally intentional. Like whoever's behind the scenes, if it's just still Kevin Feige or Feige, you know, God bless him, my God, because he finds these people, puts them together. So you have like Tony Leong, you have Michelle Yao, and then you have these newer actors and actresses coming together, just making this perfect movie. And like you said, Chris, it doesn't matter that they're Asian. It's just a perfect cast for this perfect script. And yeah, and uh, I don't know if I'm spoiling anything 
when I tell you this, but Ben Kingsley's in the movie. Nope, not spoiling anything. I saw I saw a um, couple of images of him already in the movie, so I was like, all right, cool. Okay. So he is playing the Mandarin, the fake Mandarin <laughs> from <laughs> Iron Man Three, and he continues that role oh, like God. a ridiculousness. Like he's oh yeah, with the British accent, and oh my god, it's so funny. Uh, he's uh, he's sober now. <laughs> he's not drinking anymore. <laughs> oh my god! And so he's a funny comic relief too. He's like, I've gotten sober. I've gotten sober. Oh my god, it's so funny. Um, but yeah, just a, Chris, let me just tell you a perfect mix of funny, serious, and then just like these superhero movies, like just when you think, okay, you know, what I mean, Phase Four. How many years can we take this this superhero thing? Like, you know, did you see the Black Widow, Chris? I did. It was okay. It was all right. Yeah, it was, it was all right. Okay. Yeah. Like, just like when you see that one, you're like, bah, maybe this is it. Maybe we're mm-hmm. all done. This one just, you're like, they hit on themes of um, Asian American culture and like, you know, how like traditions from like your origins, like of like where your your family's from and American or they, they bring in so many different like themes and conversations to a superhero movie that has no right to be in and it flows like greatly into the movie it's just so crazy like how marvel can do this stuff like how they can interweave some very serious topics and conversations into these superhero movies just like wandavision um did um you know with grief and loss you know what i mean like it's just Mm -hmm. so wild how we can deal with these heady topics in a action movie for teenagers it's really cool so i don't know kevin feige and the whole marvel mcu people keep it up chris go see it i can't wait to hear your full review of this movie but i just thought that i just wanted to hear your take on it and i don't know that's it's got to be cool to see this because you know chris did what all right last year weren't we just talking about like asian hate in america and like when that guy like shot all those people and just like racism and awful shit and now here we are the highest grossing movie definitely of the year in one weekend is Shang-Chi. You know, it's freaking awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait. Um, well, kind of moving into the same vein, we're going to stay within the MCU, um, which uh, sadly is not going to be as positive as this one's. But uh, Ben, have you checked out What If on Disney Plus? I have watched. Hold on. All right, all right. Sorry, let me let me get my brain on. I watched. Um, what if Peggy Carter was Captain America? Yep. And then I watched. What was the second one? Second one was the. Uh, what if uh, Black Panther was Star Lord? Star Lord. Uh, that's it. I've seen those two. I've seen them. Okay. All right, Ben. I gotta be honest with you. Uh, okay. I'm not digging it. I'm kind of like. Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right, hit me, hit me. What do you got? What do you got? It just the problem I have with this with a show like What If is I I have a tough time with kind of this like one-off, like here's the show, what if this happened? And um and they're not having like any like I guess consequences or anything beyond that it's just like Mm -hmm. this is the standalone stuff and so and it's just and also at the same time the what-ifs to me haven't been really that interesting like what if peggy carter was captain carter okay great what if you know black panther was star lord whatever the next one is what if 
um, all the event, like the first round of Avengers, uh, didn't have. Oh, oh, I did watch that, and uh, yeah, they get killed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, uh, okay, like, and it, it, it's not. Nothing is is pulling me in um, for further enough to get me like really invested. And I I honestly don't know the the canon of of all these characters, so I don't even know if they're really pulling from storylines that have already kind of already existed in the comic book world, which would then maybe get me a little excited, be like, oh, okay, they're doing they're going that route, cool. Um, and and the the other problem too is they're they're just playing within that that one solid like pre-end game universe so right. we're not seeing them bring in anybody after end game and um that's been a little frustrating because now you've got all these other characters or like take it even you know go even further because if you're doing what if you can play around with so many different possibilities guess what you now own all of these other characters start tying them into this thing that would get me excited but um, it just oh, it just like has, what if Deadpool? What if Deadpool killed the MCU or something? Yeah, like, like give right. me Deadpool, give me right. X Men, give me something, and right. um, it right. it just hasn't gotten there for me. I I'll be honest with you, I I I haven't even seen the next one, which is a, all about Doctor Strange, and I'm just like I'm not in a rush to see it, which is again for a Marvel mm. property is so weird for me to say out loud. But I I I had mixed mm. reaction when I heard that they were going this route, and. You know, it, it just, it just, it hasn't grabbed you, Ben. What, what were your thoughts? It was okay. I thought the first one was probably the best. You mm. know, just because I love anyone killing Hydra or Nazis. You know, just right. in anything. <laughs> I don't care if it's Peggy Carter or Indiana Jones. Just fucking terrible. Uh, just kill them all. Uh, but yeah, I got what you're saying. I, I mean, this is a very comic booky thing to do. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of books like this, like the Marvel Saga, and there are. This is based on comic books, that, and they do this. You know, like, so speaking of Deadpool kills the MCU, um, that's a real comic. Like, Deadpool kills everyone for fun. He just kills them all. <laughs> and then, it's like, I mean, so there are, they're kind of going that route. I, I believe, Chris, they're doing this because um, you watched all of Loki, right? Right, right. Yeah. And they really introduced the multiverse during that one. I know mm-hmm. Spider-Man entered the Spider-Verse did a little into the different Peter Parkers and the different Spider-Men. But then also Loki really introduced the theme of variants mm-hmm. and uh, the Eternals trailer um, really talks about variants. Again, they break out the word variant and how they're immortal but they can't interfere with like human politics or anything kind of of this world or of this universe, except for variants from other multiverses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that's why they didn't stop Thanos because he's part of our universe. Like he can do whatever he wants. He's a mad Titan. He can snap us out of existence if he has the power to. Um, So it's really interesting when we get to that. I I think it's all, it's all building Chris. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we really got a, glimpse into the future at the end of Loki with, you know, um, an introduction to maybe one of the biggest bads that we have coming into, uh, you know, uh, phase four. But, uh, you know, Chris, I, I understand how you could be off put because it's hard to get emotionally tied to things that are kind of messing with your logic as far as superheroes. Is that what you're getting at? Right, right. 
Yeah. yeah. And so it's yeah. tough. It's yeah. So you kind of just don't feel things. You're just like, oh, all right, I guess I can it's like I can play in a sandbox too and just make it's almost like playing with action characters. Like, oh now <laughs> He-Man, He-Man and Skeletor are on the road and they're trucking across the country a bunch of like Coors Original, you know what I mean? To Texarkana. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, I guess you could put, you know, He-Man and Skeletor in like Smokey and the Bandit, but you know, why would you do <laughs> actually it'd be a really funny movie? <laughs> and then Beast Man would be like you know jackie gleason maybe or right i don't know <laughs> but i think it's just more fun and stuff i don't know deacon we watched a couple and he was same thing he was like meh you know what i mean whatevs mm -hmm. but then we went and saw shang chi the next night and he was like greatest marvel movie ever made so it was like so you know go figure i i think it's unfortunately we're gonna kind of get hit and miss i mean there was episodes of loki that we both said on the air that were like bah. like the yeah. ending turned it around and i was like oh that was cool i saw what they did there so hopefully it's building towards something but right. uh, you know there's something about spreading your brand out um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know uh i watched an interesting interview chris you know just totally segue right here watched an interesting interview with uh t-pain on the uh steve-o podcast oh wow and he talked about yeah this is just i i'm gonna try to tie it back but he talked about in 07 t-pain is like a multi-millionaire you know what i mean he right. had three number one songs and he just was featuring on everything with the auto tune and just bah, 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 bah. and finally t-pain his managers came to him he's like buddy you're you're over you're overexposed you're in too much stuff you know what i mean you're on too many tracks you gotta chill out take a break and same thing might be happening with MCU. Mm, and I hate okay. to say it. You know what I mean? Like, think about when it was two years in between the Iron Man movies. You know what I mean? There wasn't anything else. Just Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2. And how much excitement you had building towards that next movie. Right, right. And so, I, I, and I know they have to keep us hungry and stuff. But I don't know. I kind of like the, you know, like right now as it stands, right now, we're sitting here. There's an Obi-Wan Kenobi show coming out for Star Wars. And there's a new Mando coming out. And there's a couple other properties that are out there. They might be filming here. The Rogue One spinoff. Okay. That's mm -hmm. it. I kind of like that. It's like, all right, I can I can handle three kind of properties in this universe going. And I'll check them out. But when there's a bunch you kind of get a sense of like the like the fuckets like why right. why do i care about this so much if there's just if i could just make this all the time it's just and break the rules whenever i want that's just really kind of messed up uh, is that is that what's going on chris oh it makes total sense it makes total sense yeah. and, and, and you're absolutely right the more properties that we get uh the more misses you're going to get that you know no one no one bats a thousand no one bats a thousand and you know it's hard to even yeah. bat 400 so um right you know, it's there. There are going to be some some misses. I mean, the good the good news is, like, from a movie standpoint, I, I really feel like we haven't gotten like a tremendous clunker. I mean, other movies that I'm going to probably skip if I'm rewatching the MCU from start to finish. Like, I'm not going to watch Thor: The Dark World as much as the Avengers Endgame tried to make Thor: The Dark World really important. I'm not going to watch it. I saw it once; it was fine. Need no need to go back. But um, was it fine? <laughs> it was tolerable tolerable i'll put it that way yeah all right um, all right tolerable all right, tolerable. All right. um but like i said it's it's one of those like yeah the more the more things you're going to do the more risk the more risk you're taking um you know some of it's going to work some of it's not but the good news is ben when they hit 
oh my god, do they hit? So right. um, that's you know that's what's good. Like there, there we there's not going to be that that water world, um, you know, X Men united or the x-men 3 that the god awful loan directed by brett Ragnar that is going to kill like all plans in the mcu like that's not going to happen so um, well you know what unless we let oh wait hold on i gotta look up his name i can't think of his name who's the guy did the uh the last jedi oh the director yeah oh ryan johnson oh as long as we don't let someone like that have like they just gave that guy the reins. You know what right. I mean? They just mm-hmm. gave him the total, you do whatever you want with this property. And they never thought this guy was just going to go nuts and just kill all these characters and just not give a shit about Finn and all that. Like, as long as that doesn't happen and, like, sub, oh, I, as a director, I like to subvert expectations. Good for you. Good for you. That's a one-trick mm-hmm. pony. Just ruin my childhood. As long as that doesn't happen, we're good. We're good. Okay. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. All right, sir. <laughs> what else you got this week? All right. Um, all right, Chris. I can go a couple of different ways. I'm going to wait on that one. We're going to go um, Clerks 3. Oh, okay. Kevin Smith reveals that the movie is wrapping and is wrapped. So a couple of days ago, he wrapped the filming of Clerks 3. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we did see the Jane Silent Bob reboot. And we saw what that was like. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Chris, are we still are we still on the Kevin Smith team? Are we still there? Are we still kind of oh, ride or die, Kevin Smith? Or you know, <laughs> Tusk and, and reboot is oh. as, as taking us out. What what <laughs> oh. what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts here on the properties of Kevin Smith? And I and I get it. Listen. The guy had a major, major heart attack. He turned his life around. He's eating good. He's lost weight. You know what I mean? And he and this was his like kind of bucket list thing to make Clerks three. You know what I mean? He like he woke up on his deathbed and said, "I need to make Clerks three before I die." Kind of thing. Thoughts, Chris? Yeah, it just hit me. What? Are, where? Where are you at? Good or bad and ugly? What? What are your thoughts on this? Ben, let me ask you something. Um, yeah. Where we do you have? You know, have you experienced in your life where maybe like a friend of yours, a good friend, just keeps making like the same mistake over and over again? And you're like, mm-hmm. you want to say something, but you can't because you just you have such an affection for the guy or gal or, you know, but you just see that it's every time they do this, it's not going to work out. And you just know it and you feel terrible. Like, that's how I feel about Kevin Smith's career. And the problem that I, I, I the, the the thing I'm starting to like realize about Kevin Smith is maybe that trilogy that 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 Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy era, um, and I'll throw Dogma in there too because I, I actually really like Dogma. Um, yeah, was more of an aberration mm. than than this is who he is as, as a director because everything outside those four movies really is from a writing standpoint to just a like a storyline standpoint to a character standpoint so far below the par for him that it's it's shocking and it's like you know there's directors out there that I'm like I don't just like a songwriter just like a playwright like that I think the time has passed you by like you're just incapable of doing anything 
good anymore. <laughs> and I hate to say that because I, I love I love Kevin Smith on a personal level. He's a he just seems like a great dude that you could easily hang out with and just shoot the shit about movies and, and just you know geek culture and all this stuff. But it's like when I see that he's dipping back into the clerks well and like there were moments in clerks too where i was like okay like this is cool like all right that's there there's there's like a for a brief moment it's like there's a kevin smith i know and right then, like the like, lord of the rings monologue that was like okay that's perfect and then it goes right. off that's goes randall off the that's that's kevin right yeah and then does. when we get into like the jackson five dancing and like it just it's it's it was like what is happening and the fact that he's going back to Clerks 3 when I don't really know that there's anything you could really do it that's interesting with that with that like I just and uh, I just, I don't know and so it's like you know I almost want to stage an intervention for him and be like Kevin stop like you you need to stop writing your own movies like you like he's he's in this phase now where like if he's going to direct anything it's got to be done with someone like someone else at at the writing or, or he needs to write movies for someone or, else exactly or vice versa because yep. when he's right when he, it's just it like like when he did that movie like young hosiers or whatever i was i watched that, i was like what am i watching like what is this like i just don't get it and um I, I, it hurts me. It kills me. I felt the same way about M. Night Shyamalan until I found out what a you know, douche he was. Um, and then I didn't feel so bad because I was like, oh, he's actually an arrogant jerk? Okay, never mind. I'm glad, he, I'm glad he's incapable yeah. of making a good movie. Um, and by the way, I don't know if you saw, I don't know if you saw Old yet, but uh, Old is the confirmation that, that M. Night has not changed. Like he's, whatever he did with Split, which was like, great, it's gone. It's gone. So, uh, we're, oh. we're we're back to stupid we're back to stupid M Night Shyamalan movies, but like oh we're back to Lady in the Water or whatever oh, yeah oh we're we're definitely it's 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 like it kills me because the short story that old is based on is so good and the movie's so bad so um but yeah it's just I I I, I it kills me Ben what are your thoughts I I think you touched upon a lot that I was gonna say but it's just listen. Chris, I mean, if you talk to me, if you talk to me just, you know, not that long ago, Clerks would still be in my, I, and Clerks has a, a place near and dear to my heart. You know what I mean? Right. But, yeah. um, and, I, and maybe just, and there's just some filmmakers that their first movie is their best movie. It's okay. It's all right. Um, not everyone's like, and listen, and if that's your one trick, you can go back to it over here. Look at Woody Allen, who made a movie a year for like 30 years straight, all based in New York City. And, you know, some were good, some were bad, but all were pretty clear, critically acclaimed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just go back to your wheelhouse. You know, that's what kind of Woody understood. He was like, oh, okay, I'm a New York. I'm a New Yorker. Uh, I know Jewish culture. Uh, I'm going to talk about those things over and over again to death. And that's fine because that's what I know. You know, write what you know. That's what they say. And so just go back to that wheelhouse. I get it. And, you know, and Woody Allen in his crazy long career has five, six, seven great films that are probably on the list of like the AFI top 100 and all these things. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. in the like annals of history, uh, history of film, like he has some of the best. And maybe that's the way Kevin should have ran it. But then I don't know. The, the beginning of the end. 
Her, the end was Jersey Girl. I mean, if you want to point to the moment it all fell apart, was that movie? Yeah. Well, here's let me let me rattle off. I'm going to rattle off his IMDb. Here we go. Let's so go you, from the beginning. You going from the top? Let's go to the top. Let's go to the top. All right, here we go. In consecutive years, we get Clerks and Ballrats. Fantastic. Two completely different movies. <laughs> equally awesome. hilarious. Now, Ballrats, a couple parts that haven't aged well. Right. But on the most, it's still a very, very funny movie. It's just a ridiculous stoner comedy movie from the 90s. But, you yep. know, so is Days Confused and Half-Baked, and that's what they just made. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. All right. Even though, you know, Jeremy London makes it look really hard to act in that movie. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. Um, I, and when I teach acting, Chris, I always talk about Jeremy London. I was like, the first thing when you're teaching a bunch of kids how to act, the first thing they do is like, where do I put my hands? Where, where do I put my hands? Do I put them on my belt? Do I, do I cross my arms? And if you watch him on the screen, he's constantly moving his arms like on his belt. And he's mm -hmm. like, oh, isn't that the jerk from the fashionable male? And he's like pointing and he's moving. And it's like, what the fuck is that guy doing? <laughs> like, just stand still, bitch. Like, it's just and you know what? Kevin Smith's directing doesn't help either because Kevin Smith just has like a fucking static shot of like a wide static shot of two people, three people talking. So you see their whole body. I mean, you got to be a good actor. That's why, like the first Clerks movie, like there's one scene where it's just. Dante and Veronica just talking for like fucking five minutes straight. And it's like a whole full monologue. It's like, it takes a lot of patience. It shows how like good Brian O'Halloran is as an actor because they're just sitting there talking. It's right. that's very hard to do on film and look organic. So real quick, anyway, that's my real quick, thing. real quick Jeremy London segue though. So my wife and I yeah. last week, we were watching gods and generals, the prequel to Gettysburg, which is a movie you and I both love. And adore. Oh, you're doing uh, some monologuing. So mm, I remember my father. I remember my father taking me out cold fishing and just like this war will never end whatever. <laughs> it's, it's not a good movie, but um, Jeremy, Jeremy London is in it playing this like Confederate, like Sergeant and no, he's not. Yeah, sort of I haven't that. seen that in like 20 years. Shut up. And I, I'm, as we're watching it, I'm like, I see Jeremy, I, I see Jeremy London's face. And I go, Nicole, watch, he's going to make, saying this dialogue look really hard like it's hard for him to act and sure enough like it's jeremy london doing like a southern accent like a southern confederate like antebellum accent <laughs> i started she started dying laughing she's like oh my god you're right i was like he can't it gets hard like some some actors like michael k williams they make it look easy like it's natural jeremy london <laughs> yeah, right. looks like it's a freaking like a marathon it's a task it's a strenuous activity to act. And so Mallrats is a perfect example of it. If you don't believe me, watch the dating show segment in Mallrats when he has to deliver dialogue. Oh. It's like Kevin Smith oh, dialogue. And it's Kevin Smith dialogue. It's, it's so Kevin painful. Smith dialogue. And you have to be, and maybe that's it too, because you have to be like a Jason Lee type character. You have to be like a guy, you know, you have to be like a, a know-it-all kind of smart Alec to yeah. deliver this fast ass fucking dialogue you know what i mean that's just mm -hmm. like you know what i mean like anyone on the carol burnett set would be great at <laughs> delivering kevin smith dialogue you know what i mean right uh but oh my god it's brutal and yeah. let me just say jeremy london and gods and generals looks like brandon frazier in 2021 <laughs> <laughs> there you go there you go eight percent right, so on rotten tomatoes gods and generals you submitted your wife to gods and generals eight percent chris oh oh i remember so, my mother 
I remember those long nights in Georgia, whatever the hell they're going to say. It's, it's always like, yeah, I think you got to start a monologue with like, mm, I remember those days. You have to go back and then you bring it forward. And then it's like, that's why we must win this war, General. Yeah. <laughs> that's why, that's why that's, it makes Gettysburg look like Citizen Kane. Like it really does. Um, <laughs> anyway, so getting back. So he, he follows up Mallrats with Chasing Amy, which I, I love Chasing Amy. Um, then you get Dogma, which I actually really enjoyed. But then you get the Jane of Silent Bob Strikes Back, where now it starts to like, oh, okay, that was not as good as I thought it was going to be. And you're using you're using the same characters from that View Askew universe, where I'm like, hmm, okay, so that didn't really work out as best as I was hoping. But maybe that's maybe it's just a fluke. Maybe it's not good. And then Ben, three years later, we get Jersey Girl, and then the wheels come off. So you get Jersey Girl, you get Clerks Two. You get Zach and Miri make a porno, which was decent at times, but then that that just was not great. Then you get Cop Out. Yeah. It, more- it, <laughs> I mean, I have tried to study this. Like, it's like a study. Because listen, Chris, I'm a, I'm a creative person. I like writing. I like doing the podcast. I like making music and stuff. And I'm like, okay. like, And so you try to study other poets, other songwriters. Like, how... Mm-hmm. How the fuck is Gordon Lightfoot still out there touring right now? You know what I mean? Like COVID is running rampant through this universe. And this fucking guy's 94 and he's just like, that's what you get for loving me. He's fucking just out there owning it. And it's like, God damn it, Gordon. Like how the fuck is this guy going? And Kevin Smith can't make a movie past 2005. So right. it's really interesting. And I don't know, like uh, I've heard multiple interviews with him because you can go on. He has, he's on multiple podcasts, you know what I mean? And he, Loves talking, and um, he's a very talky person, but he's good at dialogue. Of course he's a good talky person. But I don't know. Like, you would think Zach and Miri make a porno. It's like you're in the wheelhouse of, you know, the the Seth Rogen kind of, like, comedy right there, knocked-up comedy thing. It should be a perfect marriage. Oh, here we go. Kevin Smith, Seth Rogen. Here we go. And the movie just kind of falls flat in so many different ways great concept and everything and it's almost like i don't know i always feel like there's people in there's some people in people's camps that get in their ears and they talk them out of they talk them into things or they talk them out of things that just kind of fall flat on their face chris i don't know what's going on chris so i, I, just, I just think that's it it's, it's the reason why it's the reason why eddie murphy can't make a funny movie anymore it's the reason why george lucas can't direct it's like i think these people get surrounded by yes men and not enough right. people that are like Nah, dude, that shit sucks. Like, we shouldn't do that. Like, maybe a Scott Mosier or a Lawrence Bender, if you want to talk about Quentin Tarantino. Someone that's in the cut saying, nah, fuck that. We shouldn't do that movie. You know what I mean? Like, nah, I think it's a terrible idea. That doesn't sound funny. Well, you're fired. Oh, all right, cool. Peace. It's like, no, like, people get so big, they can just say you're fired, and then they just peace out and they stop listening to people. I, I, That's the theory I've come up with with him. That just he kind of surrounded himself with people that liked himself. Like the Jane Silent Bob reboot was just such fan service on such a level. And maybe one or two moments in the whole movie were good. I did not submit Katie to that movie. I'll look up the Rotten Tomatoes. It's no gods and generals, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I think I think gods and generals is a test of your relationship. Like if if your spouse still loves you after subjecting them to that movie your your bond is strong like it's it's listen jane silent bob reboot 46 percent on metacritic <laughs> and 66 oh. percent on rotten tomatoes fucking gods and generals eight <laughs> percent 
and it's it's that might that might be high. That might be high. Eight percent might be high. So. <laughs> oh boy! All right, yeah, Chris. And, so I don't know. It's coming out. It's rap shooting. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means for us. I don't know. It's just I had to report on it. I had to get you know we had to get this the Kevin Smith conversation out of our heads. It's it's yeah. I, I'm with you, dude. I'm totally with you. I wish him the best. And the same thing I would say to a friend that keeps messing up too, you know, <laughs> like maybe it's over. Stop. Find something else. You're, you're great. You're a great podcast host. Like th- th- that's your future. That's your future. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, all right. Well, my, fla- my last thing this week, Ben, um, this is kind of a weird topic to, to go on, but so I'm in, I'm spending Ooh. the next week or so, two weeks in Buffalo, New York. I'm literally in Buffalo. I New saw York. that. I saw that. Which oh you're there right now? I'm right. I am there. Like I am here. I'm staying exactly in what's called Amherst, New York, which is a suburb of Buffalo. It's right near the airport. Yeah. So I'm gonna uh-huh. be here till next Friday, um, doing my thing. And it's all right. Like you know, it's, it's like a normal time. There's not. It's not like I you know like oh my god, it's Buffalo. Like it's you know, it's not Vegas. It's not L.A. You know, it's Buffalo. Uh, it's fine. But um. I, I, to, you know, because I'm going to be staying in like a hotel room for two weeks, I went out and went grocery shopping and I said, okay, I'm going to get some snacks and waters and all this stuff. And I noticed that, you know, when I'm left to my own devices and I buy snacks for myself, uh, I've got a couple guilty pleasures in my pool. So, oh, okay. All right. In addition to, in addition to like the smart choices of getting some granola bars and some smart food popcorn and, you know, some sodas and water. Um, I I almost always get a gigantic pack of fruit by the foot. The children's snack. <laughs> Variation of fruit rolls. And what I do is I take a fruit by the foot and I literally roll it yeah. up into a ball and I stuff it in my mouth and I suck on it for like 45 minutes because it can last that long. And I, I just find that enjoyable to do. And I, I don't know why. I just did it. And I said to myself, I'm a man. I'm 40. And here I am buying fruit by the foot for myself um, and sucking <laughs> on it for 45 minutes. And I realized that like, maybe it's because I like fruit rolls as a kid and, you know, just kind of get out of fashion. But I wanted to ask you, Ben, are there any snacks that you still buy for yourself that you bought, you know, that you liked as a kid and like, you like it so much that if you bought it for yourself and let's say your son ate it, like took it out of the cupboard and ate it, you would be legitimately upset about it. Like, how dare you eat the last fruit roll up? That was mine. <laughs> like something like oh, that. Is, oh, is yeah, there anything in your life like yeah, that? Yeah, I got Go a ahead. couple. Hit me. Oh, yeah, I got a bunch. Yeah, there's a bunch. And I actually I talk about uh when I'm teaching like addiction class and stuff like that, I talk about like things that I cannot buy. So there's some things that I just I walk right by at the store because I know okay. they won't even make it home. Like I'll just eat them on the way home. Like <laughs> like they're gone. Like and so for me, Chris. As and I maybe my addiction to this started like when I was a kid, but um, Mike and Ike's. Oh, okay, yep. Mike and Ike's are it. If you go to any dollar store, you get those boxes, right? And I I don't understand why something that is as powerful as heroin is sold in a box for a dollar like this. It is so. I will just sit there, and within ten minutes, it's gone. One of those boxes, I cannot buy it. It's gone. Good to know. It's, I don't know if it's one of those texture things because it has the texture. It's got the little hard gummy on the outside, the candy shell, and then it's got the gummy on the inside. I don't know what it is, but that's gone. That's number one. 
but the, but my go-to snack, Chris, and I and this is more of an adult snack. I feel like this is a little more. Um, you gotta be an adult. You gotta have a job. <laughs> gotta be an adult. This is what I do. Okay. A couple of years ago, they came out with these uh, goldfish, and it's like the, the big cartons, and it was like oh. split. Did you see these? And it had like the extra cheddar mixed with the pretzel goldfish. Oh no, I haven't seen those. No. So if you can't get your hands on it, what I do is, you know, usually for a dollar or two, I get the extra cheddar goldfish. I get the pretzel goldfish. Then I get the Parmesan goldfish. And then I mix it in my own big freezer bag. Shake that shit up. Eat it for days, dude. Nice. Nice. That is fancy ass shit. That is that is sitting watching Lord of the Rings kind of shit. You know what I mean? That's like because there's something about like, you know, cheddar ones. You're like, pop, pop, pop. Parmesan, you're mm-hmm. like, pop, pop, pop. But then you got like the, the pretzel. You get that little crunch. You're like, oh, shit, I'm going to savor this. It is one of the perfect snacks of all time. So there you yeah. go. Oh, well, the point, wait, the I point got another one. Go wait, ahead. I got another one. Wait, I got another one. Wait, I cannot buy these. I buy these on the road every once in a while. You, you can find them at a convenience store, but I can't buy these for my house. The extra toasted Cheez-Its. Oh, yes. Have you seen I exa- those? I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, no. No, if I want to like stay in shape or lose, no, get that shit out of the house. <laughs> so there you go. Those are my big ones right there. Nice, nice. I mean, the point is, folks, if you thought, <laughs> if you if you grew up loving something, there's no shame. There's no shame in continuing to love it. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, maybe not yell at your kids when they you know think that it's for them and they you know finish your box of fruit by the foot and you're just like. Well, that's the best part. Oh, fruit by the foot. Yeah, Deacon would eat the shit out of that. Like, I'm like but like the goldfish, it's a little too adult for him. He'd be like, right. Nah, I don't like that. Forget it. Forget. <laughs> like, I, no joke. I can't. I once bought a box and came home knowing that there was like at least one left in the box. I was like, all right, I'm gonna have this before dinner. It's gonna be great. It's gone. What happened to the last fruit by the foot? Sam ate it. Oh my god. Oh. Sam. Sam, go to your room. <laughs> go to your room. You're grounded for a week. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, don't be now, like me. Now, Chris, we got some regional. We got some regional snacks up here. Oh, okay. In, in central New York and western New York, uh, do you know what cheese curds are? No. <gasps> Not many people from Connecticut did. I didn't know them until I moved up here. Neither did Katie. So, cheese curds. So you ever heard of like curds and whey? Kind of like of the nursery rhyme kind of thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, so this is. It's kind of like a little. I don't know how to describe it. It's like a little kind of cheese block and it comes in a little bag. You probably can get it at convenience stores up there in Buffalo. If you really look at like the fresh kind of section, mm-hmm. um, the really good ones. So what it is just like this kind of lump of cheese. And when you chew it, it makes your cheek squeak. Interesting. Okay. It is one of the healthiest things you can snack on. Cause it's protein. You know what I mean? It's cheese. It's awesome. And we always have some in the house here at the Frawley's. So it is, I love cheese curds. It's what they put on poutine, you know, like the gravy fries with the oh, cheese okay. melted. Yep. That's what they melt on there is cheese curds. Interesting. Yeah. Right. I'm going to have to get on that. I'm going to have to get on that. Yeah. Interesting. Look on, look on that while you're in Buffalo. While in Buffalo, I know you got to go to the anchor bar, which people say you got to do it, you know, whatever. But cheese curds, highly recommend. Good to know. Awesome, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, all right, my friend, let's go YouTubing. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. What do you um, got? What do you got this week? All right, I'll start us off. I'll start us off. So, um, 
All right, the first one, Chris, this is a weird one, okay? YouTube has some ghetto stuff sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, you have, like, some legit kind of, like, uh, like, Sean Evans hot ones, you know, hot ones, you know, you know, and they have, like, their channel, they have different sections of the channel, they have different, like, and it's very corporate looking, it's very, like, slick, they have a logo, all that stuff, right? Right. Then sometimes you get, like, just kind of some user-made shit. And this one is called SNL Moments for My Best Friends So They Know What I'm Getting At (laughs) by Emma with a Smiley Face. It's 13 minutes and six seconds. And so Emma with a Smiley Face put together this 13-minute video of, I'm going to say, like, there are some moments on here, and they're from, they're very recent moments, like the past 10 years. And these moments are so funny, and they're kind of like the... Weird lines inside of like the skits, the skits that don't really work in SNL. You know what I mean? Okay. Like the skits that people don't really laugh at in real life. And there's mm-hmm. some fucking funny ass lines. And so I watched this a couple times. I was dying. So What's it's it called, called S- SNL moments, SNL moments for my best friends. So they know what I'm getting at. And getting is spelled G I T T I N. Oh, there's a, there's a part two. It's part one and part two. Oh, is there a part two? Wait, wait, which one do I like? Like, wait. Oh, there's a part, part three. One. I, oh, there's a part two? Awesome. It's a part oh, three. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, I got to watch all of them now. No, all I didn't not. realize I'm taking into a series. Emma Smiley Face has, is prolific. I didn't realize this. But Emma. Um, some really, really recent moments. So, like, you and I, we're old as, ba- as you know, as balls. You know what I mean? So, we like, you know, old Chevy Chase clips and all that stuff. Right. This is all, like pete davidson clips and jason sudeikis clips like stuff that's like from the past 10 years and there are some moments in here that i was laughing i was like i've never seen the sketch i don't know what the fuck is going on no one's laughing in the audience which is those are my favorite sketches especially Mm -hmm. now because it seems so corporate and refined snl so like i love it when one squeaks through that is just like this off the wall like hello i'm dr poop you know i mean just like some like weird ass shit that's put on at like 12 55 at night i love that um, so that's my first pick. Check her out. She's great. Right. And then Chris, I think I sent you this video. I don't know what was going on this night, Chris. Sometimes I just get the giggles. I get the laughs. Chris, did you watch the riff tracks? This is Hormel. A full <laughs> I didn't get a chance yet though. I see it here though. Oh my gosh. I gotta get on this. Okay. All right. So this, all right, listen, all right. The mystery science theater 3000. Speaking of stuff that I love in the nineties, I love mystery science theater and I love clerks, Kevin Smith. And we're going to talk about one of those things that aged extremely well. <laughs> Mystery Science Theater. Um, Riff Tracks is one of the, you know, it's Mike and the bots. And mm-hmm. it's just their voices. And in this short, Chris, I thought that I've seen all educational shorts. I mean, I have collections of random ass educational shorts in my basement on DVD that I used to order off like this bootleg website. When you couldn't get stuff off the internet, I would just order this crazy ass shit. This one is called This is Hormel. It's a full free short. It's 30 minutes. It's a riff tracks thing. This is probably one of the funniest, most deranged educational shorts I've ever. So it's a promotional video for Hormel canned meat. And these kids are living in the Midwest and they write the Hormel company for like a tour with their dad. And then like they're like, yeah, I always want to know how meat is made. And. And the guys are like, yeah, that's what I sit around and think about. 
And then they go to the meat factory and they just show the slaughter of animal animals in front of these kids. <laughs> and it gets so twisted so fast. They're showing pigs getting cut in half. And the kids are standing there and you're like, what the fuck is going on? And it's like the worst promotional video of all time. Chris, it's so funny. It's so ridiculous. You, you don't even believe it. I thought, I was like, no way this is real. They made this movie to make fun of. Like, th- that's how fucked up this film is. <laughs> it's one of the best things I've ever seen, ever. It's one of the best things they've ever done, and I've seen them all. I've seen all the Mystery Science Theaters. I own every single one in my basement, still on VHS and DVD. And this short, for my money, is... If I wanted to show someone, like, why Mystery Science Theater was funny, I would show them this short. Like, it is... In 30 minutes, it's everything hilarious. I was laughing. I thought I was going to wake up Katie because I was shaking the bed with my belly laughter. It was awesome. <laughs> High recommendation. So two funny things on YouTube this week. I like the um, SNL moments for my best friends so they know what I'm getting at. And Rift Tracks, this is Hormel. So there you go. Ben, I got one thing for you this week. Um, what do we got? I, I think I mentioned this on my Facebook account a couple weeks ago, but um, – I stumbled upon something on YouTube, which has been just a glorious discovery for me. Um, so I'm a huge fan of the TV show Hell's Kitchen. Huge fan. And um, Same here, buddy. Same here. What was that? Oh, yeah. So yeah. Um, I love it. I'm, I'm huge into cooking. Like, it just, it just pushes all my buttons. Well, I was Google. I was just, you know, looking on YouTube. And I found this account called Hell, Hell's Kitchen Dash Full Episodes. That's all it is. Hell's Kitchen Dash Full episodes. But what they have, and I have no idea how they got this, is basically every single season up to, I think, season 16, fully uncensored. There is not a single bleep in the entire, in the entire episode. You can watch every single episode of Hell's Kitchen completely uncensored. And, oh, my God, the language that they use, like, if you thought like all they're saying is like the f bombs. Oh shit! I'm looking. It's like the that. full seasons, bro. It's the it's full, the full season. Full seasons, <gasps> and I think there's like they've got up to sixteen or eighteen, and they're on season twenty. So they're like they're uh, like a season I'm behind. Subscribed. Oh my god! And but, last season was great. Me and Katie are caught up. Like last season was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. So again, I don't know how they did it. Like it's every episode. They didn't miss a single one. And it, there's not a single bleep. You're hearing exactly what they're saying to each other when Chef Ramsay is is yelling in their face. You can hear what the the, the felt like the chefs are saying to each other back in the dorms, and the language, the things that they're calling each other. It's like if you thought it was just f bombs and b words and all this stuff. No, they're yeah. calling each other yeah. the worst things you could possibly. The most, <laughs> it's the most profane thing I've ever seen. And so, it, again, just pick an episode, random season, watch it just to be oh. sure. But, like, when Chef Ramsay goes off on these guys, it is, like, if you thought, like, oh, you're just being a little shit, like, oh, get, you know, yeah, get your right, fucking right. act together. No, no. He is saying, like, things far worse than that. And um, it is, it's incredible. So, if you, again, if you love that show, or if you just want to watch a show where there's just so much swearing it's not even like it's not even fathomable like go go to that youtube channel check it out 16 seasons every episode completely uncensored amazing 
All right. The, a couple of things. After you just told me that, I subscribed to the page. That's number yep. one. Number two, I'm going to go upstairs and cancel my Hulu subscription because they have all the seasons, but it's censored. Who gives a fuck about that? I'm going to watch this shit like, for real. <laughs> because, oh, Chris, didn't you say you posted something on Facebook about Hell's Kitchen? Did you watch that one video I posted where the guy gets up in Ramsey's face? Oh, yeah. You get to hear and what he's like, you want to take it outside, motherfucker? Oh, my God. Oh, that, my God. That's the best clip of all time. I actually, I actually looked up. I actually looked up exactly which episode I was just so I could see exactly what they were saying to each other. And oh, my God. It's like it's everything. It's everything you could want and more. So check it out. It's it, it's it's amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Um, all right. Well, that's going to wrap this episode for us up this week. Uh, ben, thank you so much as always. And folks, you can find this episode and all of our episodes on the Onstage Blog Podcast Network, onstageblog.com. Also follow us on Facebook. Uh, we've got a great Facebook page there as well. Um, so we'll see you right here next week. That's it. We'll see you. Bye, Chris. Bye, <laughs> kids. All right, folks. We'll see you next week right here on Desperately Seeking Entertainment.